This is the How to Become a Career Coach podcast, the largest podcast for up and coming career coaches in the world, and is dedicated to helping people that are in the early stages of becoming a career coach. I'm your host, Philip Mianko, and in this show, we bring practical advice based on real experiences, and we share actual stories of people that are current career coaches. So, let's get started. One of the struggles when starting or growing a coaching business is wondering if you're actually connecting with your target audience. Today, we get to hear from Dr. Benjamin Ritter of Live For Yourself Coaching. He works with individuals to develop their personal brand, get clear on the work they're meant to do, and grow that into a meaningful career. As a career coach, you'll also want to develop your personal and professional brand so you can really resonate with your target audience. In this episode, you'll hear how selling, coaching, and building a brand are simpler than you think, how being solution and focused action-oriented can actually lead to success now and the power of decision-making earlier on in the coaching business. Yeah. So I have a background in organizational leadership Been coaching for the past 10 years or so started coaching mainly focused on social dynamics and personal development and through my own experiences and my own self-reflection on what I cared about and who I wanted to serve merged into the leadership development and career space. Uh, That's led me to speak across the U.S. now with this virtual environment across the globe. Uh, I coach one-on-one with leaders that are looking to pivot industries in terms of work, looking to navigate their current career space, and then a big bulk of my clients looking to launch a coaching, a service-based business. Mm. Right before we hit record today, that's a lot of what we were talking about is like how from the three buckets of people that you've helped or are, you know, helping right now can be of great service to. So kind of going back before those times, and I got a chance to listen to more of those, those interviews that you've done, but what prompted you to make the decision in starting your own coaching business? So coaching has come up in my life a little serendipitously a few times, and we can maybe if we flesh this out a little bit, we can go back to my undergraduate days and my pursuit of professional athletics and such. But mainly, I was working as an executive in healthcare, never actually thought that I would be an executive in healthcare. Healthcare, like being in hospital administration was not something that I wanted to do. But due to the recession and due to about two and a half years of getting job offers and then being canceled, and during that time as a side hustling coach, but mm. due to the recession, when I got a job offer to get into healthcare, I took it. And I kind of went up the corporate ladder, always looking for the next best thing. That position, that hospital system always kept me in. They offered me 16 months of leadership training. I got a promotion to become that executive. And so there was, there was always something keeping me there. But I was unhappy. I was incredibly underutilized. I felt stuck in my career. That, that is an understatement. And there was one day where I was literally walking into work because that's, it was... My job was so close to where I lived, and this is when we could still go into the office. (laughs) I was walking into work and absolutely dreading another day of sitting in a small cubicle, avoiding work, because that's what I did when I was at work. I I did the 
barest minimum that I needed to do to get by, avoiding talking to people because I also avoided investing in any of the relationships because I resented my job, I resented my organization. So that means <laughs> I also didn't like the people and I wasn't building bridges. Uh, and so I just was dreading this moment and was reflecting on that because I was stewing in my negativity. And I looked up and I started looking at the people around me. And in every single person's eyes, I saw the same thing. And maybe I was projecting, you know, but, but it hit me. Like, why am I doing this to myself? I'm a coach. Like, I'm a side hustling coach. Like, I know about personal development. I, I am passionate about this area of my life. And why am I letting myself lose life? And so I, I sat down, I reflected, I asked myself, where do I really want to go? What do I really want to do? What challenges do I really want to face? And it dawned on me that people development, talent development, really the idea of loving what you do for a job and for work was where I wanted to apply my strengths and my skill sets. Mm. And so I actually went to, I had a coach at the time within the organization, that 16 months of leadership training. I was like, this is what I want to do. And he says, great, talk to this department, talk to my department basically and get involved in our projects. And we'll see if we can craft your job to do more of that type of work. So I did that and had some really great conversations. I got the buy-in of my VP who I did not respect at the time, <laughs> uh, which was one of the reasons why I didn't like my job too. But I did that. They got me involved, but it was very slow moving. And then we got acquired for the second time. And everyone that I was working with lost their jobs. Every project I was working on got halted because we were going to centralize into this bigger system. Hmm. And so that was a dead end. The other idea was to pivot industries, not to launch my own business, not to become a coach. It was to pivot industries and go work in this field within organizations. And that was a dead end because I had no resume experience and I didn't know what I know now in terms of how to present myself and pitch myself. And so the other step, which is actually one of my strengths, was entrepreneurship and to figure, well, why don't I just pivot my current side hustling business that I don't really care much about, but I have all this experience in how to create a coaching business, what a coaching business entails, how to get media attention, how to build a brand and pivot it to a different brand in a different sector. Hmm. And I, I should be able to do this quicker than I did it before, but what would actually help me in the process. And I said, oh, well, I'll go get my doctorate in organizational leadership. And that itself was a journey because, you know, first I thought I wanted to go into social psych. I didn't get it in the first round of application. So then I spent months flying to these different schools and meeting with the directors of the departments, trying to figure out how to get in, selling myself, them saying I need to get lab experience, volunteering in a lab, finding out that I hated lab work, and then realizing that I needed a, to do an applied doctorate. And so I found this doctorate of education and organizational leadership, but really a focus on coaching. And that allowed me to do research and values and job satisfaction, motivation, get me published. And, I, and so then I took all that information, that research, rebranded, relaunched. And four and a half years later, I've been coaching clients. It's my main source of income. It's what I love to do. And I'm always looking for new challenges, but that's what led me to at least where I'm at today from maybe like for the past five years, right? Before that, mm. there was a whole another side of things, but hopefully that gives a little bit of clarity. Definitely. And it, it, it brings up a lot of interesting points. And this is something that I hear a lot from our listeners and a lot from the people that I get the opportunity to speak with. And just to point out a couple of things that, that you mentioned here is that, you know, it's difficult to coach yourself. Coaches need coaches. Often we're trying to figure out these things for ourselves, but as coaches, we kind of know what we need to do and the next steps, but it's hard to kind of knock yourself out of those places too. But I love this question that it seems like you have asked yourself in doing some research before our chat today. It seems like you've asked yourself this question many, many times from becoming a coach, launching your business, but even the ventures that you've gone into now, like what would help me in this process? 
how can I make this, this work? And it seems like in each of those times of like searching for that answer, it's led to the next thing and the next thing, and the next thing led to a lot of success today. So kind of like pivoting back a little bit and for our listeners, how did you know, and you kind of explained it a little bit, how did you know it's time to make that ultimate leap to full-time coaching and, and launching your own coaching business? There's a really good quote. I think it relates to what you said and it's that victims don't build businesses. Nice. And Part of my systems, like the three C's of self-leadership, clarity, confidence, and control, focus on really action orientation, being proactive, being solution focused, and asking yourself, well, this is what I can do, right? This is what I need to do. And how do I take control of my environment, take control of myself to achieve whatever it is I'm trying to achieve? And not to say, well, I don't have this, so I better just give up. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's this idea of, okay, so this is a goal that I have and there's an unlimited amount of plans to get to that goal that I could follow. What plan do I have the resources to actually make work or what resources do I need to find to make any of these plans work? And it's, it's very much just feeling like you control your own destiny per se, right? It's that internal locus of control. Mm-hmm. Um, but so now I actually, actually answering your question <laughs> uh, in terms of like, how did I know it was time to make the leap into full-time coaching? Um, you know, I'm as risky as it seems that some of my actions are. I am incredibly risk adverse. I like to make very well thought out, calculated decisions. <laughs> I have this like analytical, you know, self within me. Uh-huh. And so when it came to actually deciding to launch, it was, am I making enough money? Do I have proof of concept? Can I live off of my earnings right now? Can I live off of the savings that I have if I'm not actually signing on new clients. There was a really great conversation. Like there are certain conversations I've had throughout my career that really stick out to me. And one of them was I was sitting across from another coach who was in a different industry. And he was telling me about the time that he burnt out, mm-hmm. where he actually started self-sabotaging his own business and not taking on clients or not caring about sales calls because he overworked himself. And he said during that period, he had a five to six month period where he didn't sign on any new clients. And the more conversations I have with coaches and consultants, that's not incredibly rare for someone to have that big of a lull for whatever reason, if it's burnout, if it's environmental situations, if your messaging is off. And so I made sure that I had enough money, no matter how successful I was, to have a cushion for a good year or so. Hmm. And when I had that, when I had the business, when I had what, by the way, we haven't gotten to this yet, but messaging that I knew resonated with my target audience and was consistently converting. So they, they say, you don't know how to sell until you've sold 10 times right? you're, and your first and your 10th sale are going to be your hardest sales ever. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's like that proof of concept model. So once I had the savings, once I had a proof of concept of messaging and I had enough clients, that's when I knew I could launch. I think that's, that's one of the spots that I wanted to get into more, but I think you know, I often talk about mic drop moments in this podcast, but I think just all that phrase is one of them because being more risk averse and before we hit the record button, we're talking about like, there's no snap your fingers, decide to have a coaching business in two or three months, clients are going to be coming to you and you're going to be earning money, right? We all intuitively know that these things take long, but there is something to be said for building that financial runway for one way to speak about it, to build that cushion, to set yourself up for success but that you can have those trial and errors when it comes to content, when it comes to messaging, because in very many ways, there's going to be things like as you were putting things out in the world, sometimes I, what I usually feel is as coaches, we all know what we're talking about. When we say limiting beliefs, both we know what that, that means, but to the outside world, they might not know what that means. And so it's a lot of trial and error as far as content, as far as 
what's going to resonate the most with your target audience. How do you even get to those target audiences? But something that you even really said here too is the sales aspect, because I feel, or at least the people that I talk to very much in our listeners is that that's sales is a whole new concept and a whole new thing to learn, especially selling a coaching service. So it feels like you're often selling yourself and also just like literally having the conversation to control and direct that way. So I'm sure there's a lot to pack into here with my next question, because you help a lot of people from that ideation to launch stage, but what are some of the top things you'd recommend to someone who is looking to start their start or, and or grow their own coaching business? Yeah. So if I get off track here, just bring me back to the sales question, because I have a bunch of different thoughts running in my head. Okay, good. And, and I want to quickly say that, you know, often I work with clients who have one full-time job mm-hmm. and then they want to quit their job because they're really unhappy mm-hmm. and launch a coaching practice. Now, this is my opinion, but when I decided to get my doctorate, I was working full-time. I decided to take on basically a decision that would cost me a hundred grand. And I decided I was going to pay for it as I went. And so then I also went back into bartending and I bartended three to four nights a week. And I was building a coaching practice and managing my old coaching practice. And I decided to launch a supplement. So like when you look at the schedule in front of you, are you all the same hours per day? Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of times people think I don't have time or energy to launch a coaching practice when I'm working full time. So, well, if you, have, if you don't have time and energy to launch a coaching practice while you're working full time, you won't have the time and energy to make that coaching practice successful. And of course there's, you know, caveats like, okay, like when I work with clients that are launching their business and they're working full time, it's let's not worry about where you're going so much right now, but let's fix where you are, like Mm -hmm. where you are. So we can actually create more energy. We can create greater, a greater, more positive, creative mindset for you to bring that to your coaching practice. But you can launch a successful coaching practice. You can make sales. You can craft your messaging. You can produce just enough content to brand yourself in your network that you need to brand yourself in while working full time. You can do both. I am a testament to that. Plus, I think if you just started talking to coaches, you'll find out that a lot of them have either multiple revenue streams as they're a coach or they've worked full time to build up their coaching practice to a certain level where they can just have one revenue stream. Well, it allows you to, and just to kind of add what you say too, from, we've had a lot of people come on here in this podcast and say that very same exact thing. And what it allows you to do is basically have the mental freedom to be building content with the safety of of like a full-time job. And then you can actually be creating content you want instead of one that you need to convert to actual clients. And then it just adds to that stress. So green check marks, 120 million percent agree with, with all of those things. Yeah. And when I work, and I'm happy to hear that, by the way. Yeah. So push it, push it yeah. in a little bit more for people. But when I'm working with clients to so like their first or second coaching client in, in their business, mm-hmm. most of the time their first client is someone they either know really well, someone they work with, or their actual organization. So when it comes to like, do I leave my job right now? And I say one of the biggest, I guess, hurdles I had to climb over was that I didn't have a lot of career capital. I had one full-time job in healthcare where I didn't have any great relationships because I resented my job and pulled away from everybody. When I get to work with a client at this VP or executive senior management level, like, oh man, you have 10 to 20 years of work experience and relationships that we can pull from. Mm. Like it's the best thing to have. And plus you're proven and they trust you and you actually have maybe some strengths and skills that you can actually apply your coaching skill sets towards. And you can even maybe get them to pay for development programs for you or Mm -hmm. get them to pay for you to have a coach. Mm -hmm. So I think when it comes to, do I take the leap and then sales as well? I think you have to take a look at, 
all of your assets. And your one of those assets is your current job. One of those assets are your current relationships. And so keep that in mind when you're thinking about leaving and, and sales themselves, but more specifically just about this concept of how do I sell? So often clients I'm working with will say, okay, I don't really know anything about marketing. I don't really have an advertising budget. Uh, and, and they look at these other coaches on YouTube or Instagram and these massive followings and they think that's what they have to do. Mm-hmm. And I go, let's take a look at how much money you want to earn, how much money you want to charge, and let's figure out how many clients you really need. And when you really take a look at that number, it's usually under like 150. And that's within a major span of their career. It's not even just this year. Mm-hmm. And so then if you look at this year and you're like, okay, I need like 10 people. Okay, do you need 10 people? That's, that's an easy number. Do you need a massive marketing campaign to get 10 people? <laughs> and, and so the people that you are going to sell to, you already know them probably, especially if you haven't launched yet. Mm-hmm. And so what you need to do for sales is to get the people around you to trust that you're a good coach and trust that you are a coach. And so all sales is, is convincing someone that you can help them solve a problem that they have and get them what they want. And since the number of people that you need to sell to is actually really small, and since it's probably within your current network, all you really need to do to start selling is start telling people that you're a coach and start talking about coaching topics and start getting curious about the people around you. That's all sales is. A lot of people don't go online and search leadership coach, career coach, and Mm -hmm. then hire a stranger. No, they want to hire someone that they know. So if you start planting seeds within your network, that is all you need to do when you're in the initial stages of your coaching practice. Now, later on, you know, podcasts, media appearances, evergreen content development, cold LinkedIn outreach, you know, that like email, cold email campaigns, all that kind of stuff, newsletters and like all events, like all these different things you can do to actually get more clients. But initially, you know, everyone already that, that can be a client. Like, you're just taking all the words from my mouth. Again, for best friends before we even started this podcast, but a couple <laughs> things that you mentioned that I think are really important for our listeners to hear. One is that right now, one of the biggest hurdles that I see for new coaches is that they compare their step zero to other people's step 11. They go, oh my gosh, that person's got a podcast. They've got all these things they're putting out. And I feel like I have to do those things. And that is the farthest from the truth. Because what happens in most of those, those instances, or at least what I hear from people, is that really, we just need to solo and focus on how can you exactly focus on the types of people who you're looking to work with. Like you mentioned, they're low-hanging fruit. They're going to be people that you already know or know of, and they get really, really good at coaching those individuals. Coaching itself, I've said this on this podcast, it's a personal business, meaning that you're building relationships with these people. Often, like you mentioned in here, Ben, you're building those relationships sometimes before you maybe even have officially met them or while you're getting to know them and while you're in the selling process. Um, Because really the selling process is just, you're just coaching them, but you haven't become their official coach yet. That's the way I usually look at it. And the other part of it is, is a trust business. Are you able to get them the results that they are ultimately looking for? And have you gotten those results for people who are similar to them? And if you can show that to them, or you can speak confidently and competently about that or help use that language that they're using and kind of walk them through the process, that whole selling aspect, it kind of goes more in my mind to helping them instead of trying to to sell them something. And so usually with a lot of new coaches who just, I find haven't had that kind of sales experience before, we have the used car salesman kind of mentality in our head, like, oh, we're going to give, I don't know if my process will actually work or it's going to sound really icky or stuff like that. Most of the time, it's just usually coaching them through the process, but kind of talking about what a coach looks like 
building relationships to really get to know them. And then even like you mentioned with your experiences being very action solution oriented, what's the next step eventually solving that problem? Think of the sales conversation as just a couple specific points. It's what's going on? Mm -hmm. Where do you want to go? What's holding you back? Do you want help with that? And after each one of those questions, like what's going on? Ah, well, you know, I feel really stuck in my career. I don't feel very fulfilled. I feel like I'm underutilized. Okay, so just let me, you know, let me see if I understand what's going on. You feel stuck, you feel unfulfilled, and you, you don't really feel like you're being utilized. Oh, great. Yeah, that's, that's totally right. Okay, so where do you want to go? Well, I really want a position where I feel my work is meaningful and I'm making an impact and I, you know, I really love baking. So, okay, so let me, let me see what's going on. Um, let me see if I understand. So you really want something a little bit more impactful in your life. You want to feel like your work has purpose and baking is something that you have a, a true passion for. Yeah, great. Okay, so what's holding you back? So basically what you're doing is you're letting a person feel, or helping them feel that you understand their issues better than they do. And if you can do that, and then at the end, they actually think that you can help them get to where they want to go, you have a sale, right? If they have the income to be able to afford or they see the value in it, it's that simple of a conversation. It yeah. is not a sales campaign. It is not a click funnel campaign. It is not ads on Facebook. It is that simple of a trust building conversation. A couple things. So yes, and a couple things you mentioned in there. So for our listeners, one of the things we teach in our PCC program is a couple things you did in there were the clarifying, distilling, and validating. They said they like baking. We clarified, all right, is this what this is? You distilled it a little bit more to break down what that was. And you mentioned, is that right? Am I hearing that? Okay. And they they go, yes. And it kind of keeps going and we keep asking more questions. And the other thing that you mentioned there is, would you like help with that? It's a very, very subtle thing that, that we do as coaches, but even in the selling process is you're asking for permission. I'm not suggesting anything to them. I'm not going, hey, this is the best used car I've ever had here. This is yours. See, don't you want it? Get it right here. We're bringing them into the process. Is this something you would like help with? They say yes. And then we kind of clarify and distill and validate from there of like, okay, here's what my help would look like. Or you can even ask them, what do you feel like help would look like here? And if they don't know, if they don't know that, then that's a great opportunity to go, cool, well, here's what I do. And here's what it looks like, looks like on, on my end. We could talk about the sales process all day, but kind of to pivot a little bit. And like our listeners know, this is one of my rapidly favorite questions to ask is in opening up your own coaching business, what have been some of the biggest challenges that you've had? Or another way to ask that is, what are some of the sacrifices or trade-offs that you've had to make in starting your own coaching business? A couple of things come to mind. The first one is becoming really consistent with my brand. And prior to this brand, I, I dabbled in a few other things and a lot of opportunities came up to not be consistent. Like, oh, this guy with 500,000 YouTube followers wants to interview me on this other coaching topic or you know, the supplement idea that I had. Mm -hmm. And so when those opportunities come up to potentially steer you away from being brand consistent and aligned, you have to make a hard choice. Okay, so how much can I do of this? How do I limit it? So it doesn't just really hurt my brand and then hold yourself accountable to that because it's very easy, especially if you're achievement oriented and, and have this entrepreneurial mindset to find the next best thing. And so being, you know, and then that next best thing that can be really hurt your brand image. And it took me probably a year and a half when I got started to get people to stop calling me by what I was before this. And that amount of energy and time to make that transition, I never want to have to do that again, at least mm. not for a while. Cause I understand we will have multiple business. If you're, if we're a business owner, if you're an entrepreneur, you'll have multiple businesses, mm -hmm. but at least until your brand is solidified, you have a good following, you have, you know, you have a pretty consistent client funnel and such like you should not, you should not dilute your brand. So just saying no to things. I think that was one sacrifice. Uh, another sacrifice 
uh, of starting a coaching practice was the fact that I really limited my career capital, to be honest. So if I ever want to go work for the, you know, the corporate world again, they're going to look at my resume and be like, what you're, you've been a coach and you worked in healthcare. Okay. So why do you, you're not going to be a VP of people or a chief people officer or something. So I actually reflected on that eight months ago. I didn't like that. Hmm. And so what I did then was I started spreading my branches a little bit, my roots a little bit. And I found some more corporate related contract work that makes me seem like a more well-rounded candidate for future opportunities. Hmm. Uh, Because for me personally, when I look at my career path moving forwards, I see a variety of different things. I'm always going to coach, but do I always just want to be a coach? Probably for me personally, no. And I think everyone needs to understand that when you're starting a business, whatever you do now fills in a gap of what you did now. And so if you want to do something else in your career and so really take a hard look at what you want to achieve, what challenges you want to face, will 10 years of just being a coach get you there? And so if not, then how do you use those coaching skill sets to create other opportunities with other organizations and build certain relationships that then can make you a better coach, but also help you get the opportunities you want in the future that might not be related to your own business? That is such an incredibly important concept of looking ahead 10 years. And to be more specific, it's this is what I've talked about a couple of times on this podcast. And we have some great guests talk about that too. But thinking of yourself as more than just a coach doing more than just coaching because anybody and their brother now can call themselves a coach, which is great, but also it can make it much more competitive, but there's going to be some point where, and maybe we've already hit that point. I don't know, where it just becomes really saturated and you have to differentiate yourself and stand out. But more so from a personal development side is that you as a coach yourself, it's the importance of continually growing in your career and in your life because there's just so much more to do And there's so many more opportunities out there. And if we just limit ourselves and just kind of stop coaching and then just only focus on those parts, then in my mind, I'm going to get passed over or it's kind of like just stop innovating. A lot of people run into coaching Mm. instead of choose coaching. Mm. Uh, It's like, it seems that a lot of people have to find it as an escape from the corporate world and the solution to why they don't feel good about themselves. Mm -hmm. It's not. Like try to like, I mean, to ruin the trailer, you know, the movie or whatever with the trailer, but it's not. And so if you don't do the really hard work to understand why you want to be a coach and what challenges you want to face as a coach, you're going to just be in the same place. You're not going to have the motivation to spend three to five years creating a coaching practice. You're going to think that this is going to happen in six months to a year. Like, yeah, you can get your first couple, you can get your first couple clients, but it creates a sustaining business. Like you're not going to have that motivation. And so that I feel like that's such an important part to sit back and just really question your, like your own drive. Yeah. Yeah. Not only from the why perspective, but there's going to be so many times moving forward where there's the ups and the downs and you need to be able to come back to that, but have done the groundwork, so to speak, to know kind of not know what you're getting into, but really make sure it matches for you. Cause that's the same thing you're doing for your, as a coach that you'll be doing for your clients. So one of my last questions for you is it's the clean slate question. So going back the years before, going back that time in the beginning, knowing what you know now, what would you do differently? I would have basically valued my work and relationships more in the past. Hmm. And I would have spent more time showing up and making the most out of the opportunities I had at that time. Because I did myself a complete disservice, and I've kind of hinted at this, I did myself a complete disservice by not investing in those relationships, not investing in my organization, 
And that basically made it so that my past is kind of tarnished, right, in a way. I don't get the benefit that a lot of people have of leveraging their previous career. And I would totally go back and talk myself out of being resentful, which then might not have led me to become a coach, (laughs) but it would have at least made my days a little bit more enjoyable. That's for sure. Hmm. One of the things that I'm taking away from this conversation, but at least I think one of the biggest things that our listeners can hear today is that what I feel like is you are really, you're really great at basically seeing a lot of the opportunities in front of you. And even though that's kind of almost the opposite of what you just said, it feels like being introspective and retrospective on that. But one of the things that I'm picking up from you in this conversation is just your foresight, your insight, and the ability to see opportunities in front of you and even ahead of you and make the most out of them from a learning perspective, from a, hey, this is how I can make this work for me, or from this is somebody who I can, we talked about this before hit record, but here's somebody I can meet that's going to lead to those next branches. And so I think one of the things that our listeners, or at least what I'm taking away from this conversation is, it's almost like, how can you make the most out of what you are doing right now and take action on it and make sure that understand what it's about, like, why are you doing these certain things you're doing? And ultimately, where is that taking you? So I want to say thank you so much for sharing that and, and coming on the podcast and sharing that today. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. You know, it's like going to the gym, you don't see the results after one time and you can't get discouraged by going to the gym for a couple of weeks and not seeing results. Uh, It's just about showing up, being consistent, understanding that things will work out. Some things won't work out, but your goal is to only find the thing that works out. It's this idea that I like to to talk about and we don't, you know, just, I'll just put the main idea out there right now, but it's a million no's don't take away from the joy of a yes. And why do we focus so much on the nose? Why, if we want something, why don't we just find that yes? I couldn't think of a better way to end it. You just described my last Tuesday at the gym where I uh, was getting really frustrated. I'm like, okay, Philip, we just have to be consistent and show up and put one foot in front of the other. But before I let you go, where can people find you and get in contact with you? So my address is, now. I'm just kidding, it's <laughs> uh, personal home address. Now you can go to liveforyourselfconsulting.com liveforyourselfconsulting.com. Find out all about me, find out all my links. And if you want to connect and send me a message and have a conversation, let me know you heard me on this show. That would be awesome. Uh, Just find me on LinkedIn. So send me a message, send me a connection request. I will accept and we will have a chat. So you heard that here, folks, somebody to reach out to and he is willing and and wanting to do it. So by the way, I love that name, Live For Yourself. We didn't touch on the beginning, but that's such a great name. But again, thank you so much, Ben, for coming on the podcast today sharing those insights and just being really sharing what it's like in the whole transition. So on that note, thanks again. And thank you everybody for listening to our conversation today. And we'll see you on the next episode. I hope you enjoyed that episode of the How to Become a Career Coach podcast. For more information, check out becomeacareercoach.com where you can find information on this podcast, our programs, books, and endless content on, well, how to become a career coach. Also, don't be shy. If you have any questions or kind words, we'd love to hear from you. And you can reach me directly at philip at happentoyourcareer.com. And that's Philip with two L's. So thanks for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.
like I've mentioned so many times on this podcast, this is my endless pursuit to find best friends. And I think I might've got super close today and bringing on our guest today, Ben, how's it going? Oh, sorry, Dr. Ben. <laughs> it's going pretty well. If, by the way, I, I just sent you the other half of the best friend necklace. It's, it's in the mail. It should Perfect. arrive in a couple days if they don't lose it. Uh, if they lose it, let me know. I'll, okay. I'll send another one. I want that. And then I'll send back to you the best friend bracelet. So then we can have kind of both the necklace and the bracelet. You know, I prefer anklets, but we, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get to know each other. You know, it's okay. It's, it's fine. Bracelets, cool. anklets, it's the same. 